0: David, the golden age inverted commas.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aye, well, it's all set up nicely for major labels to go in and pump loads of monies, pu- money into bands. Um, like f- for me, I was never a pop punker. I was always a metaler. No shit. But it's yeah. it's interesting seeing that David's wearing a Spice Girls T-shirt. Between like, <laughs> yeah, in my high school days, like pop punk was huge at the same time as new metal. Um, and to be honest I came from such a small school That there weren't like pop punkers Or moshers <laughs> There were just people that weren't bams <laughs> uh, So like there was no grouping But like my pals all loved No FX and Green Day and Offspring And then I just listen to Corn all the time But um <laughs> You still listen to Corn all the time? Yeah So <laughs> You still listen um, to any fucking pop punk all the time That's not, <laughs> But it's interesting that in the wake of Green Day and Offspring, and you had the Warp tour, and then in America you had stuff like Hot Topic. Here, what would it be? Cult. Yeah. Remember Cult? I remember Cult. I told and you like it, the whole the fashion thing came throughout the first 90s. Ever day, well.
0: First ever day as well. First ever day. Yep. Yeah, I went through. I went to Edinburgh for to go to university, and I was really felt like a fucking small town guy, and I was like really self conscious, so I went straight into cult clothing and bought a pair of flares, <laughs> <laughs> flares,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> denim oh, flares. Oh my god. He's I, I mean, honestly, I, I I made myself wear them about <laughs> half a dozen times. I was fucking dying. So I bought you were old was, enough
2: to know
1: better at that point as well. Like, uh, I was old enough to know what better. What was the place downstairs point? in cult? It was flip? It was no hellfire. flip oh flip oh, you're talking about flip yeah i've got oh, yeah. a good story about there was flip, flip as well there was hellfire yeah. was that it was hellfire it was downstairs? Downstairs, yeah. i bought this <laughs> leather wristband and it, it had metal studs that long
2: it was <laughs> fucking great um, um, remember flip was the place that used to sell all those gas station shirts that's exactly so, what i was talking about yeah my friend worked in flip and he and, and he, he like they actually made some of those shirts there and it was yeah. like a pure toxic work environment because like it just smelled awful and it was just like High the, the glue, all the fucking time gluing yeah. badges on it <laughs> Brian on it I had one that said
0: Brian with a Y Why? I have no idea But people did assume It was accurate You're so random
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's me um, So yeah It's interesting For me A big release I remember I must have been 12 or 13 When it came out uh, Was Pretty Fly For a White Guy By The Offspring Was like a turning point in my life. I was not just twelve when it came out. It was the first album I ever bought. It was the first album you ever bought. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still and the I remember seen they these appeared words. on top of the pops, but it was just like mad. They had all dolls' heads and blah blah blah. And as a twelve or thirteen year old child, I was truly engrossed by it. Into dolls' heads. Yeah. But yeah. So that came from Americana, which uh, although it didn't sell as much as Smash, like the singles that were released American from it, Americana sold huge at eleven million copies. Yeah. Mm. And also it was interesting that that was just at the start of internet downloading. And apparently Pretty Five Pretty for a White Guy was illegally downloaded uh, 22 million times. And that was like, you know, when it used to take 45 minutes to download one song, yeah. that was the song everybody downloaded. Interesting mm-hmm. that like, actually Offspring were really into illegal
2: downloading. Yeah, because like, they had a relationship really with Napster and they released thought
0: on it. Conspiracy of One, the album that followed that, has the Napster logo uh, effectively and um, First gig I ever went to And a percentage of the earnings Of the Conspiracy on one album uh, I can't remember what percentage But it was actually quite high Went to Sean, what's his name?
2: That started Napster and then the guy that went to then be part of Facebook as well um, yeah, Does anybody uh, know his name? No. Anybody know the name of Sean? <laughs> Sean, <laughs> oh, just it, Sean that started Napster,
0: that guy hey, Sean Parker, Sean Parker.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so the conspiracy one percentage of that went to helping him fight his
1: legal case Uh, So they were taking on Metallica pretty much Yeah, Yeah. then
2: he bought a bit of Facebook with his money Oh yeah
1: Then at the same time, uh, well Blink 182 had like sort of come into the mainstream a little bit with uh, Dude Ranch It's 97 Dude Ranch Yeah, the release of Damn It was like a big hit Nobody was prepared for Enema of the State When that came out Like they really took that sort of juvenile thing I mean I really hope the Wi-Fi doesn't work <laughs> Yeah <I know. laughs> Oh yes, That oh. works <laughs>
0: alone To get the feeling right We started making out And she took off my pants But then I turned on the TV And that's about
1: the time she walked away From me Nobody likes you when you're That'll do. That's quite A, a little bit of video, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they weren't political. They were just, you know,
2: getting naked and having fun. They're still fucking huge now as well, man. They're still uh, absolutely massive. It boggles my fucking brain, so it does. But that <laughs> album, that album sold fifteen million records, I
1: think, and then uh, all the small things is like now a wedding classic as it, well.
0: It tells you how much things were changing, though, because that album is massive. It is, and it's. Reputationally bigger than Smash, but sales wise, still a good million, million and yeah, a half.
1: Yeah, it doesn't behind quite get Smash. There. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess there was just the labels knew that there was money in it, into it and started pumping uh, cash into bands. And then you had stuff like, uh, I remember Lit appearing <laughs> on T4 in the morning, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I mean, lit, they were like a band defined by those work shirts that said Brian yeah. on them. <laughs> uh, I didn't yet, know that at the time, though. Was I, un, like, unconsciously, or, or
0: unwittingly
1: associating myself with this fucking Yeah, you just needed to trash. slick back your hair, and then that was it. But, I mean, my, my own worst enemy, that was absolutely huge. Um, and that album, A Place in the Sun, ended up selling a couple of million as, as well. Uh, then in 2001, we have Jimmy World, who... Oh, <laughs> we've discussed as not being pop punk but have some big pop punk songs and I think it's fair to say the middle is definitely a pop punk classic even if it's not from a pop punk band um, I mean, 2001 was the year that Sum 41 and Blink 182 also were like the prime
0: movers in that category Yeah, like, absolutely. Blink, Blink kind of persevered and 2000 was also the, the year that Good Charlotte made their entrance
1: Yeah Um, and I remember watching all this on was it P-Rock the TV oh, yeah. station and Scuzz P-Rock. and Kerrang as well um, I had to go rent to my uh, <laughs> friend Daniel's house
2: because we had poverty TV he had he had he uh, had I actually I've got a story about that I had a a friend in school who knew that I fucking loved like how I first found Marlon Manson as well right It's just, he basically recorded five hours of MTV on a a fucking VHS and I watched the fuck out of that for years Um, I mean something I think
0: actually is really key to this and I I don't know if you're going to come back to it I apologise if you are but maybe we'll skip past it in 1999 the first American Pie movie came out Mm -hmm. Um, 2001 the second one came out 2003 the third one came out Um, um, Cinema was changed forever, um, and also I think Jackass was at its TV peak from 2000 to 2002, and those two sh- those two shows, those two whatever, um, they really epitomise not just the time, and obviously all the commercial tie-ins that went with those those songs appearing on them, but I think the mentality as well. There was like a fucking inanity to just to everything at that yeah. time. It was like everything was fucking stupid, it was about falling and squashing your balls on a fucking skating pole or it was about waiting till your dad opened the fridge and slapping him in the face with a fish and that's <laughs> that's that's exactly what Blink 1, 8, Two sounds like to me, like yeah. they sound like getting slapped in the face with a fish or squashing that's, my balls that's totally <laughs> our, that was totally um, thing online. but I mean it is interesting that there was almost this like cultural wave of like Look, look, sorry, I'm saying stupidity. I'm not saying you're stupid if you listen to it, because I listen to a lot of stupid shit as well, especially metal. But I mean, stupidity was in vogue at this point. It really was. Like, it was fucking everywhere. And it was all over this music. And this music fed the shows, and the shows fed the music. Um, I think another big thing was um, what would it have been at that point? PlayStation and Tony Hawk's? Yeah, Tony Hawk's. Tony Hawk's in
2: particular, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
0: loads of these tracks got their breakthrough, Mm. or at least became like standout tracks. Maybe they hadn't even been the biggest tracks in their albums, but became famous tracks because they appeared in these games and they were like, became like live favourites. It's because of that. Um, I think, like this, this whole idea, like PG 13, like pop punk, really was cemented. And like we said, that's Blink 182, New Newfound Glory, Sum 41. It's all like aimed at suburban teenagers. And uh, some of the other bands that were kind of associated with those films are like Phoenix TX. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a band called Mest. The remember them, they were in one of the American oh, Pie films, I think God. it's Starting Line, <laughs> Unwritten Law, Homegrown, it's like this American Pie core,
2: basically Well that's basically um, the drive-thru record you're talking about there, right? Because there's a lot of bands in drive-thru who were kind of pop-punk and emo, kind of pop-punk kind of stuff like Jimmy World, so you had like, like Alistair and uh, Starting Line, early November, um, Finch, Dashboard Confessional
0: Mesmerising So
2: hypnotising I am Captivated, I am
1: Syndicated. I am selfish, I am wrong, I am right.
2: I swear I'm right. That kind of stuff. Like, yeah. So I, it wasn't just pop punk, but there was the emo side of it as well. And it was all part of that American Pie core. Which we're now calling it by the way. American Pie core. We're definitely calling it American Pie Corps. <laughs> Pi
0: Corps. American Pie core is absolutely a thing now that we've put it out there. Um, people are gonna be able to search for that if somebody hashtags it, so please do that and we will be the innovators. I think it's also just as a final point on that kind of like stupidity in vogue era this is when Limp Biscuit were big as well like they were massive at this point, and it's it 's not just pop punk that was going for this fucking inane switch off vibe in music it was It was across the board really in the kind of heavier genres i mean Kerrang was a fucking midden <laughs> <laughs> it's like every fucking article must have had the word poop at least half a dozen times. It was fucking ridiculous
1: this like kind of defines that cultural thing I felt when this when this video came out it was top of uh, MTV's Total Request hey, that'll do lovely, um, lovely but it was like lads. the whole vibe of like it was kind of like a jackass music video yeah. all these outsiders you know, uh, weirdos having fun, being stupid hitting themselves what happened in that video? There's like big fights with inflatable animals and skateboarding and stuff was like that. Was there
0: not like a guy like diving off a springboard who gave a kind of like sort of camp wink to a boy in the crowd and the boy in the crowd was like oh. oh. That's the song In Too Deep by Song 41, it's not that song. <laughs> <laughs> the so, yeah, I'm, I'm getting my cla- guitar
1: solo. <laughs> my, my classics
0: confused. Yeah so there was, as we, I'm, I'm glad we agree that there was a lot of fucking garbage kicking about then. Um what happened next? Well, I mean, this it is... Was,
1: it was another I mean, was a of lot of bangers as well. So, uh, I mean, uh, I mean uh, we had uh, New must... Glory, Beautiful Handsome Men... Uh, excuse me.
2: me, me you
0: you uh-huh. New Glory. Uh-huh. Mollepunk. punk. <laughs> mall punk, mall punk, mall punk. <laughs> so, and that is a phrase that I didn't even just pull out my ass. Like mall punk is like something they were so frequently referred to, um, and a hot topic
2: thing because hot topics were in mall so it was like that whole fucking. Just vibe it's just, it
0: is mall yeah. music. It's like young kids and like fucking. In Glasgow, band. it would be hanging
2: outside the Goma. Aye. Where that I came from? It was yeah.
0: Thistle Centre
1: punk. <laughs> outside the Goma core,
0: um, but yeah, and also uh, they Championed Easycore, I believe. As What's in, Easycore, oh. as in not hardcore. Yeah, we'll oh. I, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not being, that is not me making a fucking chronic pun. That is actually, they did the Easycore tour in
1: 2008. We'll, we'll, but, come to we'll, yeah.
2: come, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back to that.
1: Oh, <laughs> And then it started getting better, i.e., worse. Uh, more of that during <laughs> um, the <this> song, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good Charlotte. Like, what it got band. even, they diluted the punk, got popular, and. Yeah, their tracks like Lifestyle of the Rich and the Famous and the Boys Anthem. and the Money. The Anthem. The Anthem. Mm. Yeah, fucking hell, they were huge. They were huge. And they're still going as well. Mm-hmm. But they were kind of at this sort of splitting point that I found of where the labels were either just pumping money into bands that already existed or they were starting to put together their own thing. Uh, and pop punk really became just part of the pop machinery. Yeah, so here's here's the thing, right? So Busted happened, actually started in 2000
0: and McFly started in
1: 2003. Me, the and there are
0: it's a point later on, maybe like around about like two thousand and five, six, where it's almost impossible to tell the difference between, especially based on the production values, between bands that were legit bands who were just super slick with their production now, and these bands like Busted and McFly, who started as these oh yeah, obviously this is a commercial band. But eventually that line got totally blurred. <laughs> Because things progressed so far Towards this massively polished shit yeah. um, Really, really, really did And I think also something that we skipped over here Which I think we just can't skip over In the same ways we can't skip over American Pie Corps, Is Avril Lavigne <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like you read Dave Notes Um
1: All right, we don't need to hear it, but that's basically the same video as uh, Sum Forty One. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. They were like, "Oh, may- maybe she was in the the, the Sum Forty One <laughs> video." Um, maybe he was the hot dog. Yeah. So, like, obviously, she was like put out there by the labels and getting on this, but also it was interesting. To to see that this was like one of the first female voices in pop punk, in what had been a very, very, very male genre. Very,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I suppose um, female
1: we've mentioned though. Yeah, I think it might so be. Well. Um, and then she just... created a whole sort of genre after her, of sort of female fronted pop punk and or punk influenced. Oh, uh, I mean, no doubt. Yeah, I suppose no doubt are quite pop punky, aren't they? Yeah, that's a good point. But there were there were very few. Like, uh, and I think
0: it's no coincidence that Avril Lavigne, one of the first high and highest profile manufactured acts of it, was female, because they saw like there's a total lack of this. Mm. Like, what are all these young women? And then now, how are are we selling them a a, a sort of not an icon, but you know, I mean, all these young guys had these guys to be like, "Oh, I want to be like that one. I want to be like that one." You know, when you're a kid, that's that. So, like, give that to the young girls as well. Like, "Oh, I really like her. I want to dress like that." Whatever. And that was it. Was savvy. It was cynical, but it was savvy. I think also that total lack of women. Uh, in the scene, not total like there was women in the audience of course like loads of the majority of women here actually I think, um, which is nice given the subject but I think the lack of women in bands probably contributed somewhat to the f- some of the scandals and the attitudes that prevailed and caused so many problems with the heroes of the time the screeching weasels and the gutter mouse and that because mm-hmm. these were just dudes around dudes singing about dude things and a lot of the lyrics really fucking haven't aged well um, Yeah, I think that that lack of women in that in the vicinity probably played a big part in that. Um, But yeah, Avril Lavigne was a a a, a very clever but very cynical grab at the time. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, well made. I mean, undoubtedly well made. Better made than the likes of Busted and McFly, which looked pretty colloquial by standards Mm. by comparison.
1: And and for me, that's where I kind of lost interest, maybe because I was just getting a bit older as well. But then I I saw that. Pop punk kind of split into two things and it became this really massive commercial thing, uh, which Mark will talk about. I don't know who the cool bands that are doing stuff and then the, mm. the big bands that are not shit, cool. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then there was like obviously My Chemical Chromance and T- Taking Back Sunday and Fallout Boy and Panic in the Disco. I Paramore as well, probably biggest band around right now. Um, you know,
0: I think, like, see the. That kind of 2004 or 2008 That sort of sudden explosion of emo stuff Was partly explained by the fact that just the people Listening to it were getting a little bit older mm-hmm. And it was kind of getting a bit ridiculous To sit and listen to some of the themes And topics that were in these songs I mean guys like Fat Mike were showing no signs of growing up You know he was already 33 when we did like Pump Up the Volume, And they were fucking you know Songs like Luis and stuff like that are like mm-hmm. Ridiculous these are like Grown ass men um, And so I think people had to kind of had to be like okay well I, can't, I don't want to fucking listen to songs about this anymore and so the, the emo thing, even though they were still young people, the emo thing just allowed everybody to kind of grow up just a little bit um, whilst still taking a lot of the musical influences from that, Paramore being like the prime example and also the fact that Paramore was another one of these kind of pieced together projects like Hayley had been signed Prior and then the band was sort of like she was like I'd rather do this kind of thing so they manufactured this band again it was like a really pr- like great opportunity for the labels to cash in on the lack of like female faces in that scene and also to take the sound in a very slightly more mature direction and go with this audience that probably had a bit more well actually no it probably didn't have a bit more disposable income because you know everybody aims for thirteen year old American suburban kids don't they um, but yeah I mean that that emo explosion wasn't just the result of musical
1: evolution I think it was the result of that Emo audience explosion sounds like a very bad uh,
2: sorry <laughs>
0: but yeah mean, it, it wasn't an accident and lest we forget that did ultimately pave the way for a band called Metro Station
2: yeah. hey. we, may, we may come to that very soon um, <laughs> so Mark what happened to Pop Punk after that well it's interesting you mentioned Parmore because Riot came out in 2008 and that was when Pop Punk was not its death throes like, commercially speaking anyway so by the mid two thousands, a lot of these pop punk bands we're talking about were no longer going on the no longer getting on the radio. Some of the bands saw it coming, so bands like Fall Out Boy, like Paramore, like Pancake Disco, they started just getting away from it all altogether. We're starting to doing started just doing pop stuff basically, yeah. getting entirely like Panic Disco fucking sold out the Hydro this year. That's that's insane. Like that's that's twelve thousand people. That's insane. Um, but like they've alluded to. It, pop punk actually splits at this time as well so there, there, there Hang are on
0: a second, was anybody at that panic at the disco <laughs> show that's here?
2: Maybe but they so wouldn't admit <laughs> I'm not sure I believe that <laughs> uh, So David's right like, much like skate punk and pop punk at this point in diversity so you do get bands who start, take, who start listening to more emo stuff like proper emo stuff like Sunny D real estate and all that and and taking pop punk and doing interesting things with it like bands like Crime and Stereo and Latterman who are a huge influence of a lot of punk bands now the whole gruff thing starts coming in so hot water music and that start happening fireworks band called None More Black um, and one of my favourite bands, uh, The Wonder Years and I can talk a little bit about why The Wonder Years are one of my favourite bands in a minute, but a huge band that were an influence in the early 2000s that would then go on to inspire lots of these bands and the singer of which is now a songwriter for a major label is Movie Life Vinnie um, if any, if any Caruana like, has that band were not just really fundamental in the same way that Newfound Glory and stuff were they were also fundamental for Easycore too, which I'm going to talk about in about two minutes um, but this is Jamestown um, and you can start to hear like where they're making that pop punk a little bit more aggressive again if, So, what year was that? 2000 um, so one thing that's really interesting, not just about that record but that band, is that band flew under the radar for so long, they were on drive through records as well um, I think it was actually 2000, 2001 maybe it was around about that time, it was very 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 early because he broke up not long after that record, and I, I actually interviewed Finny from um, my old podcast when he was doing a solo tour um, and he had got called up by a, a major record label, and it was two it was two uh, women in I think early 20s like man we fucking grew up listening to your records we fucking love them why don't you write songs for us and now uh, that's kind of what he does as, as well as releasing solo stuff um, and he's not the only one yeah it, mm. it happens like uh, another example is um, All American Rejects who so will come to it in a little second but can, I, what can it, I just see you're talking about like so what
0: kind of era are we in just now? Because I know that from like 2011 to 2015 there was this kind of like slight revival in the, in the yeah, fortunes so of it. That's what I'm going. To, that's, what,
2: that's basically exactly what I'm going to get to.
0: Um, um, so that, like, as I understand it, and obviously my knowledge is limited, but like this, it's only knuckle puck wonder yeah. years story so far. Mm. There's a bank of State Champs. I think that were expected to get quite
2: big, but might, in might, a, be, it might be in this presentation. Okay, well, <laughs> it never really exploded for them. Um, it? it still hasn't really. Um, so the reason I bring up the move life is because they had a huge influence in bands like that but they also took stuff from proper pop stuff from the from like the, that era um, That second, the, like, 2000s, that, like. that's not second wave
0: but that wave of it, it weirdly by the way it also kind of coincides with American Pie Reunion which came out in 2012 <laughs> <laughs> It's like any time a fucking American Pie film comes out this fucking music like rises from the grave um, but that, that stuff this time around was just You're playing the movie life thing, it was a bit more aggro, it was a little bit more Mm -hmm. like that. There was like a slightly raw approach to the vocals, kinda more of an emo hardcore hint Mm
2: -hmm. to the music. It wasn't quite as sweet as it had been in the two thousands. So that does it does split off and if the next one plays it will be The Wonder Years. so my flatmate's in the crowd <laughs> and he's held me singing that fucking song and the share so much <laughs> um, tell him to get his own show <laughs> they moved they, they, like so it kind of divers in these two different directions the movie life influence bands like that and the one has actually further removed themselves from pop punk as, as their albums have went on they've increasingly stripped out that influence and, and moved more in different directions Another band who we spoke about was um, a drive through band called The Starting Line, who hopefully will play now. And these a huge influence in the oh, other direction. Please
0: play.
1: <laughs>
2: These these kind of people that were in bands like line and a lot of drive through bands um, would end up being ghostwriters for pop singer songwriters. The next slide, if it would play, would be all All American Rejects as well, and they had a huge influence <sighs> in this other direction that pop punk went in. You which... know what?
0: Fuck this handsome bastard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That started to influence bands like All Time Low, You Meet Six. Actually, quite a lot of English bands were influenced by like this kind of music. On and the bright
0: side, he looks more like the guy from District 9 there than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the yeah.
2: resolution. Now, um, now songwriters for hire, basically for any... like A lot of pop songs, a, a lot of pop artists who are huge will have songs by the two main guys from American Rejects. That's so disappointing,
0: because I, I thought they were so for real at the time. Mm. Um, they were, but, they're just not anymore. Um, you know, I think one of the things that fucks me off about All American Rejects is because they also represent the record industry saying, right, we're going to start to promote like, bands with hot front people. Mm. It's like where it goes from being quite an organic thing, because the first group of people that broke out, Billy Joe Armstrong looks like, fucking weird. Dexter Holland looks fucking Had ridiculous. fucking dreads. You know, yeah. like, yeah, it's just like ridiculous group of people who were rising on merit. Uh, even like Blink-182, goofy looking bunch of people... With the exception of aliens. Travis, aliens, um, aliens, but uh, aliens. <laughs> um, but I think then there's this point where you start to see all these cute pin-up boys with like super blue eyes, like this guy, mm-hmm. like appearing, and you're like, right, this is really being co-opted yeah. to a great mm-hmm. extent, now. and uh, that's there's
2: no way back from it there, for for it from then. There isn't, uh, and an, a third thing happened, and Chris has already talked about it as fucking Easycore <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know what Easycore is Easycore is basically like the pop punk kids have listened to a hardcore record and went I'm going to fucking put that metal riff or that hardcore riff in my pop punk song and the result is total fucking chaos
0: It's <laughs> like when the emo kids listen to sugar and put a Meshuggah riff in their emo song the thing that oh, rubs Dave up <laughs> How <around>.
2: dare they <laughs> So this started off mostly not just by Newfound Glory but by another band called Set Your Goals They sound good <laughs> So, easycore basically becomes this thing. Um, bands like New Glory and some forty-one pointed out and be having hardcore stuff in their music, you know, and then a lot of other bands started doing that. Set Your Goals being the biggest example. The bands that are that did really big things with it no longer have these sections. Another band is a band called uh, another huge band, and I'm talking massive. A band called A Day To Remember. Oh If anybody's heard of them, but I really hope this one—not that—I that one. hope this one plays because it, it, it epitomises everything that I fucking hate about this genre. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually like that song, but it's terrible. Right. <laughs> um, so pop on okay. goes in three different directions. It stays on. Un- some of it stays underground. Some of it gets huge, and some of it becomes easy court, And EasyCore is still a big thing. Um, the stuff that got huge is the stuff which it starts to become things like you meet six. Um, Bands like uh, All Time Low, uh, Kids in Glass Houses. These All Time
0: of... Low is like around about 2009.
2: Yeah, yeah. but like they started, I mean, like, Blink 182 and Newfoundland were a massive influence on them, you know. Mm. And so we're kind of roughly looking around about that era. And then it starts to filter back into the mainstream again. So you get like pop punk songs, f- we're, talk- we're getting like a lot further along the timeline now. So we're talking like mid 2010s, kind of around about five seconds a summer.
0: Fucking howlers at
2: this point. Yeah, it gets I really mean, bad at this point. Yeah. Jesus Yeah. So you get five settings of summer. Um, One Direction start having pop punk shit in their music. You know, it starts See, somehow coming back. See, and... like there's a couple
0: of like interesting kind of sides. I think for even for, especially for people who are not interested in these building up some, you know, catalogue of these bands in their heads that they never want to hear ever. Um, I think. Trying to isolate elements that really contributed to the success of some of these bands around about that 2011-2015 revival of pop punk, um, and especially the kind of bands that were were springing up. It seemed like a big factor in that was Tumblr, and like I don't even fucking know is Tumblr still a thing, like. Yes, no,
1: yeah, yeah. Big nods. No. Uh, they got rid big of the shakes, por- Big nods. <laughs> they got rid of the porn on it, so nobody uses it anymore. <laughs>
0: okay. So I, th- I think like the-, the Tumblr thing seemed to really contribute to the success of a lot of these bands because it was aimed at suburban kids mm-hmm. um, and. Just that kind of sharing mechanism, that kind of networking, viral aspect of Tumblr, really lent itself to the kind of things that were in the videos, and also to the looks of some of the bands. And I think the looks of some of the bands became really key as well, because you're, you're kind of Tumblr was traditionally a sort of slightly left to centre. The, the networks break down in different ways and track differently, but Tumblr was always considered to be quite a sort of liberal thing, especially in the states where the Democrats really targeted it a lot for their kind of political messaging and. There was a lot of bands coming through just prior to that. So you had I mean, okay, you had a lot of super slick things. There's a band called Boys Like Girls from like two thousand and six who so are an example of just processed to the point of it almost not sounding like guitars at all anymore. Senses
2: failures and know one of them too. Yeah.
0: you had uh, I think around about 2007 you had Melody Fall you had Paramore uh, 2008 you had Hey Monday uh, 2011 you had Hype Theory 2012 you had Next Step Atlanta 2013 you had Tonight Alive 2014 you had We Are The In Crowd and the thing that united all of these bands was very attractive young women fronting bands that were largely male These were all bands that got very, very, very que- quickly elevated through the system. They, they shared really well on social media, especially on things like Tumblr, on these sort of slightly left-to-centre platforms where young women, not just young women, young men were happy to see women getting more representation but there was no denying the fact that these young women were so attractive that it was also contributing to the success of their videos and just generally to their, the, the amount of coverage that they got in magazines, photo articles versus just text articles. These kind. Of things, and people like Hayley Williams, especially, did very, very well from that culture. But it's quite a cynical culture because it's still a a genre that we're talking about, it's like almost entirely male up until this point and now there's this explosion not of organic female pop-punk bands at this point that comes later but of bands that still seem sort of slightly artificially inflated on the basis of their looks and that goes from all American rejects with the kind of boyish blue eye good looks through to all these female fronted bands and there's something distinctly insincere about it in this incarnation I do think something that's quite encouraging and again, I'm trying to be objective here, so I'm not a fan of this musically, but at least in the last like four years or so, it seems like there's been a much more organic growth of bands, especially bands of young women in the pop punk scene. I see that I see that as a promoter. And these are bands that look like bands. They look like a mix of people. They look like a mix of people that are conventionally attractive, and otherwise they look like a mixture of like sexualities, genders, like everything. And that feels much more authentic now than it ever did during this period. From like two thousand and eight right up to like two thousand and fifteen, where the labels were still clearly clearly pulling strings behind to try and elevate these bands above um, so i don 't know if it's like if it 's worth maybe mentioning a couple of things more recently uh, before we go to the break that more recently that are kind of maybe some like something to be pleased about something to be encouraged by.
2: Uh. I was going to mention some bands uh, who, are, who are current ball punk bands I don't know if I'd be pleased about them <laughs> but there are there's a, a, there's a whole there's a lot of English bands a lot of English ball punk bands that are getting quite big now and bands like uh, Rome and Neck Deep and I'm sure it
0: gets to all of
1: us
2: And, and Trashport and all that, um, who who are huge and kids fucking love them now, man. And, and it feels a lot—it's it's happening a lot more organically. These these are bands that are on small indie labels, usually American indie labels as well. Mm-hmm. They're not in the—they're not in majors, but they're they're, they're bringing that. They're, That's probably yeah, in keeping academy, stuff like that.
0: Modern you know. to the trends, anyway, because you know there's not always that much to be gained now from being on majors.
2: Stand Atlantic, who Dave was playing as we came in as well. Um,
0: I think the thing about Stand Atlantic, like watching them... It seems like around about 2015, they just reached a saturation point of how how processed the music was. People just couldn't take it anymore. The the punks are, were were seen right through it. Nobody was really buying it anymore, and there was a bit of a snapback. Because I mean, there's bands like As It Is and Water Parks. Yeah. Like 2015, 2016 are so ridiculously processed. I mean. <laughs> the amount of auto-tune is insane when you listen to it. It's really crazy. Like, um, And then in 2017, 2018, there seems to be like a little bit of a snapback. Like from a production side, you can hear that there's still auto-tune, but it's much more subtly done. And the aesthetic of the video is much more DIY. It's much more low-key, smaller budgets. Part of that is probably a result of budgets within the industry itself, but part of that also seems to kind of reflect the taste. Like People just weren't buying that shit anymore, and I mean buying it from the sense of they, they weren't fooled by it.
2: But a lot of these people who are in these bands as well are, are, are really not afraid to to do something like, it's a kind of a weird example of right now, but they're not afraid to do things like Bring Me The Horizon are doing now, where they're just chucking influences from stuff they like, no matter where it's from, and it completely augments the sound And I suppose, for a lot of people, a very interesting way, because it, it becomes a lot less rote you know, um, and and a lot of the time people do want that auto vocal sound because that's what they've grown up listening to
0: and it's probably, it's during those confused periods where new genres arise anyway, because it was during one of those confused periods that the original like, form of pop-punk arose, this kind of like, branching off one went into New Wave and one went into this kind of, like, really pop-orientated punk-rock music, it's those experimenting with different influences and seeing what sticks and what doesn't really are part of that. I think there's been a drop off, though, and I found a really interesting take on that. As regards this new generation of pop punk, there's like a little bit of a weird, you know, like in a kind like of weird void at the moment. Now, I think part of that is, and I, 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 side, I, I kind of buy this, this, this possible explanation SoundCloud has, has played a big part in that. So if you watch the aesthetic and the approach of SoundCloud rappers, for example. It seems like a lot of the kids that 15, 20, 25 years ago were forced to get together with two or three friends to play in a garage, to just make any kind of noise, to express any kind of identity or to feel part of any kind of movement. That was their only medium. That was the easiest medium to do. It was like three chords and play fast and sing and it doesn't matter really if you're perfect. And now the best way to do that is things like SoundCloud rap. It's, it's a lot of the, like, the, the tattooed aesthetic the, the way the videos are shot and filmed In like parking lots, the shows, the basement shows All this kind of thing It's got a lot in common with the way Pop punk was at its, its, its height Or certainly just, just prior To its explosion I think even the fact, for example, that it Tiger's Jaw, the, the band, the vocalist mm-hmm. He's crossed over into that, hasn't he? <laughs> And he's, he's appeared in that a lot. And I know there's a number of bands who are actually synclaud rappers who their backing tracks are basically pop-punk tracks that are being chopped up from samples from old tunes. And I think the musical economics has played a big part in that. I think musical economics has showed that people are like, there's not a lot of money to be made from getting four people in a van, taking all this backline, going and playing a show. I know that as a promoter again, you know that. All these bands that are current pop-punk bands know that how fucking hard it is to make ends meet. It's way easier to be a SoundCloud rapper now and I think that's a genre that's really benefited uh, amongst suburban kids with a general nebulous angst who want an outlet and don't know what it's going to be and this is their easiest outlet. Whereas pop-punk for a long time was their easiest outlet. Or not pop-punk, but punk, punk rock, but... Pop punk was the one that benefited, I think. So I think part of why there's that lag now and that confusion around it and that sort of struggling to keep it alive and struggling to keep it relevant is because they're hemorrhaging all these kids that used to flock to it, all these generations of people that used
1: to flock to. It. Well, it's interesting that new metal just died, but pop punk never died. It just sort of changed and evolved and kind of got smaller and weirder or bigger. So, yeah, when you do, like, throwback nights and go to the Cat House, new Metal was its own thing, and it, you know, stands there from 98 to 2004. I think Head whereas, would disagree yeah, with you. they still... Well, yeah, that's true. As good as ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, pop punk never really had that time. It's always
2: sort of carried on, so it's weird how it's evolved. It's very much in the ethos of punk in general, that, right? Because punk is never, like... Different genres of metal have always come and went. There's always been something different. But punk generally, as a a style of music, has remained in various different forms. People just keep taking stuff from it and adding stuff to it and I think so,
0: partly maybe because it's a style of music where people are very protective over the orthodoxy of the different styles I mean metal's like that as well, it's like you claim to be a certain kind of punk but unless you're like ticking the boxes you know you have to redefine a new thing because the old guard won't have you mm-hmm. at their shows, they're like no nah, no nah. I mean it was notoriously fictitious at shows when a new band would come on the scene who's, who were not Straight down the line, legit such and such, oi or whatever, you know. You
1: if would, you're not dressed as a hot dog, you're not coming in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, that, that more or less rounds up. I thought, just referring back to something you said, Mark, before we go to break, you're talking about the guy from All American Rejects, two of the guys now being writers for hire. And there's a number of people doing that. There's a band called Goldfinger. They're a front manager. Oh, John Feldman. Yeah, John Feldman is now like a massive writer. He writes for punk bands amongst others, Blink182, Five Seconds of Summer. Um, but also, I thought it was interesting, like, even going back to like 2000, Josh Freeze from The Vandals and also, I mean, all other bands. All other bands, literally. I mean, he was drumming on Avril Lavigne's records. Uh, it's his drums on Kelly Clarkson's records, although it's not, he didn't actually play in the sessions. He just played, like, all right, Josh, play, play a punk beat. We'll turn it into a song later. No problem. Um, and I, th- I think Josh and that approach, him getting co-opted by this industry that was now manufacturing these songs that kind of that's a sinister sort of sign. even and I, this one blew my mind um, i don't know how many people in here have ever listened to the wharves. The dwarves are fucking serious fucking cats. I mean, these, like, one of them faked his own death. So, I mean, they're mental. Uh, There's a guy in the dwarves uh, who, uh, his real name is Paul Cafaro. What's what's Paul Cafaro's dwarves' name again? Can't remember. No one knows. Anyway, Paul Cafaro, the Dwarves, which is the band that Nicola Vieri was in. Nicola Vieri from Queens of Stone, he's kicked out, drugs, all kinds of mad shit. Paul Cafaro's writing all kinds of pop music now. From the fucking Dwarves. I mean, that is that is mental. Um, I mean, he wrote a track called Number One for a Canadian act called Sky (laughs) Sweetnam.
1: out for
0: number And weirdly Tim Armstrong actually did the track with Sky Sweetnam as well um, Also for anyone that doesn't know it's Tim Armstrong wrote Trouble by Pink Yeah like the crossover between these genres is way deeper and more consistent than maybe is at first obvious. Um, But yeah, for anybody else out there that wants to write a pop punk song during the break, uh, we looked up up the wiki how and I got some tips from uh, John Feldman from Goldfinger. Um, The wiki how to write a pop punk song is simple... Mainly major chords and especially power chords. Especially power chords means changing the tuning so you can just use one finger. Um, it's good if you do it like that because that's extra punk. <laughs> um, the bass should typically follow the guitar, maybe with the odd run. Um, uh, you should focus on the kick drum, the snare drum, and the hats. Uh, and sixteenths for a bit of speed so don't just plod along. Uh, plus the occasional tom fill for transitions for anyone that's never heard music before. Um, Structure should try and be intro, verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Mark, you pointed out that there's like a kind of graph of success you can draw between successful pop punk songs and how quickly they get to their first chorus. Yeah.
2: I noticed it when I was doing the album. Which I picked. And it's quite staggering, actually. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's amazing. I mean, you're talking like 35
0: to 40 seconds is like
2: your optimum sort of time.
0: Um, And everything should be played faster than normal, whatever normal is. (laughs) The lyrics should cover, and this is amazing to find this so clearly laid out, um, they should cover love, heartbreak, suburban angst, rebellion against school, parents or mainstream kids (laughs) I fucking hate mainstream kids (laughs) (laughs) you should try and include goofy lyrics and or humour, the use of ooh, ah and na 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 is is advised and you should play up your personal feelings um yeah, and uh, John, John Feldman ag- agreed wholeheartedly with all of that. He said, that's, that's basically it. He basically got a hit. Um, he said, pop punk succeeded as a reaction to the weighty themes and history of grunge. Uh, you know, suicide, heroin, misery. It, it taps into 12 to 16 year old sentiments uh, and themes to target the demographic primarily. It's nice to hear a former punk singer say the phrase, to target the demographic primarily. Um, short songs are essential to success with very few exceptions. There are some, but not many any. You should also avoid political themes for best sales, and if there's anything we need to do these days, it's avoid political themes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, and pop punk is believe it or not, the most focused of almost any rock genre on sing-along choruses. It is not about your technical chops. So if indeed you are shit at music, then... This is your genre. Um, so we're going to take a little break. We'll try not drag this over time. We're going to cover three records that that's for. Um, we're going to cover three records uh, that possibly cause some controversy, uh, and then you can heckle us if you have any serious concerns with any factual inaccuracies so far. We'll give you a chance to vent them before we start. Thanks. See you soon.